Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Welcome to our guests. If it's your very first time here, we want to say welcome. We hope that you were greeted warmly as you came in the door and that you stopped by guest services and received a gift bag that we have for you. If you didn't, please make sure you stop by guest services just outside the door here and, uh, and make sure you pick up our free gift for you. We love our guests. In fact, this round of applause is for you. We love that you guys are here with us. Thank you for being here. All right. I think I've given you plenty of time to get your kids out if you want to. Perfectly fine with them being in here. It's just wanted to give you some, an opportunity for some parental guidance. Now, I realize that the subject of sex is an awkward one. Some of you that are first-time guests are like, oh, gosh. I didn't know he was going to talk about sex today. At least he's not talking about money. <laughs> so, so, so you guys are, are okay, but you're wondering, he's not going to show pictures, is he? I hope he doesn't show pictures. I'm not going to show any pictures. It's not even going to be like that. But what, what we're doing is we are looking at um, uh, the gift that God gave us, and that, is, and that is sex. And so we feel that as a church, because God created it, he gave it to us married couples as a gift that we ought to be able to talk about it, right? And so we are spending the next four weeks going to be talking about it. And, uh, and, and again, I realize it's awkward. I don't know how many of you are parents out here. Let me see your hands if you're a parent. Okay, so you can put your hands down now, thank you. So the first time, if you haven't had the conversation with your kids yet, you will. Okay, there's no avoiding it, especially if they go to public school. They're not gonna, you're gonna have that conversation and it's gonna be awkward. It's gonna be like today, but we're just gonna get through it, okay? I remember my kids came home off the bus, they were in third grade, and all three of them walked in the door and they greeted me like, hey dad, I'm like, hey guys, how was your day? And they asked me, dad, they asked me to describe or explain what a two-letter word was to them. And I looked at my daughter and I said, did you hear that? And she goes, no. I said, two room, right now. What do you guys know? And they said, well, and they began to describe, and I was not ready to have the sex talk, let alone the oral sex talk with my kids. But that's what happened because they've been exposed to it. We had to talk about it. It's awkward, right? It's awkward, but we need to talk about these things, and, and uh, so we're going to do that today. We're going to talk about uh, sex ed, and here's the theme for the entire series. Here's where we're going with it, okay? If you're taking notes, you can write this down, but great and godly sex starts between the ears before it's between the legs. I'm going to say it again, just because I feel like we need to make it a little more awkward. Great and godly sex starts between the ears before it's between the legs, Godly sex starts with godly thinking, right? Because when we, are, when we think the, about sex the way that he intended and planned for us, it leads to right actions. It leads to honoring God with our marriage and our sex and our bodies. It, it's a beautiful thing. But we have a spiritual enemy, and he has been trying to teach sex ed for many, many years. And, and the problem is, 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 as a culture, as a group of people, even as the church, we have bought into the lies that he has told us and what happens is those believing those lies, 
leads to wrong thinking. Wrong thinking leads to sinful actions. And so if you look in John 8, we're talking about the devil here. And, and look, I realize that everybody's on a different place in their spiritual journey in this room. But let me tell you, if you don't believe in the devil, my position on it is, and the Bible's position on it is, which we believe is God's word, so we believe that it's true, is that there is an enemy and he hates you. And this is what the Bible has to say about him. In John uh, 8, 44, it says, when the devil lies... He speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and everybody say this with me, and the father of lies. He's a liar. That's what he does. If he's talking, he's lying. How many of you guys know somebody like that? If they're talking, they're lying. Don't point. That's not nice. Just, I was just asking if you knew somebody. You don't have, but the devil, you guys are funny. But the devil is the great deceiver. He has been lying since the beginning, and he's been lying about sex for years. And on the flip side, though, we have Jesus. And here's what Jesus said about himself in John 8, 32. He says, then you will know the truth. Jesus is the truth. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He says, when you know me, when you know what I have for you, when you know my ways, when you live life the way that I've given it for you to live, you'll be, you'll be completely free. So what this series is all about is an attempt to expose Satan's lies, the things that we have begun to be, or become to believe about sex. And what we're going to do is renew our minds with God's truth that we find in his word, okay? So here's a roadmap for where we're going to go. Today I'm going to lay a foundation, but next week we're going to talk about the lies that Satan is telling your kids. The, the week after that, we're going to talk about the lies that Satan is telling married couples about sex. And the last week, we're going to talk about the lies that Satan is telling singles about sex. But today, like I said, we're going to build a foundation for the whole series, and we're going to go way back to the beginning with Adam and Eve, okay? If you're taking notes today, the first thing that you need to know about sex is that the serpent's first deception involved sexuality. And it's quite possible that you never thought of, this, of the encounter with Adam and Eve and the devil in the garden as, a sex, uh, as an assault on our sexuality. But the serpent's first deception involves sexuality. In the story, Satan appears to Adam and Eve as a snake, right? He is evil incar incarnate in the form of that snake. And in Genesis 2.25, it says, the man and his wife, this is describing Adam and Eve, the man and his wife were both, everybody say, oh, come on, you guys. I ain't saying that word in church, Pastor Alan. Yeah, you are. The man and his wife were both naked. and they felt no shame. They were naked and they felt no shame. There was no awkward moments between Adam and Eve. No, hey, Adam, my eyes are up here moments. You know what I'm saying? They felt completely comfortable with each other. They were naked. There was innocence. They trusted each other. There was security and a sense of belonging. There was no shame in their nakedness. Completely and totally innocent. I have three kids, and uh, my, my twins are 14 years old now, but one of them, when they were younger, just really loved to be naked. Anytime you turn around, kids' clothes were off, and the diaper was off, full-on naked. And uh, in fact, I, I brought a picture of him here that I want to show you. <laughs> Don't get too excited. Go ahead and throw that picture up there for me. And there it is. This kid just loved to be naked on a regular basis, and it was fine. Some of you are going, oh, that's really cute. Why? Because it's innocent. 
There's, there's, he's not doing it to offend anybody or hurt. He doesn't know any better, right? Okay, you can take that picture down. Thank you. I don't need any of you snapping pictures with your cell phones and showing him. Look what your dad did. <laughs> but he was naked and there was no shame. It was innocent. Now, how many of y'all know if, if he, have you seen those, those pictures where people, adults, grown adults are recreating pictures as adults from when they were a kid? Like if he tried to recreate that, not so cute anymore. You know what I'm saying? Even at age 14, or even if I were to walk out and do that, right? Like I would, I'm pretty sure that if I put up a picture of me on a horse, bareback riding, <laughs> like that, that I wouldn't have I wouldn't be preaching here today. In fact, my ministry would change to a prison ministry. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> There's a difference between innocence. So why was the first deception involving our sexuality? Well, again, if you're taking notes, our sexuality is Satan's easiest doorway to shame in our lives. Our sexuality is Satan's easiest doorway to shame. I want you to think about it for a moment. Think, think about the first time you were exposed to sexual impurity. Maybe something was done to you when you were younger. Maybe you did something to someone else. Maybe you saw something. But remember, if you could, how, how did you feel afterwards? How did you feel after that moment? I would say a lot of you would identify feelings of maybe confusion, maybe some feelings of excitement. Others of you maybe felt some fear. Others maybe felt wonder, like, wow. Whoa, what was that? But most certainly, everybody who walks away from their first experience of sexual impurity walks away feeling shame. You feel dirty, like, like I can't believe what I just did. Did that, did that really just happen? Did I really just do that? Was that really just done to me? When I was younger, I, 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 my first exposure to pornography was when I was, I was way young. I, I don't even remember how old I was, maybe five years old. And it was at church. And we were walking, for, the way our church was, there was a church building and we had grown and so they needed space for kids ministry and so they got a trailer. Anybody ever have a church that had a trailer out back and that's where the kids ministry was? Yeah, okay, just so, like two of you. All right, fine. So I, I, from the church, there's, there's a little walkway. You had to walk outside and walk up to the trailer and go into kids ministry. And so they kept you inside during praise and worship and then set you out. I walked out and somebody had taken magazines, a pornographic magazine and cut up the images and had strewn them all around the backside of the building. And nobody knew they were there because nobody had gone out. And that was my first encounter with it. I was way young and I don't remember much of what I saw. I don't remember much of how I felt. But I do remember that moment very vividly. Years later, I was introduced uh, to a stash of pornography that, that my father had. I, you know, my mom and, and, and my, my uh, stepdad, I, I stayed, lived with them, but I went and stayed with my dad for a little bit. And when I went to his house, and trust me, I'm not trying to paint a negative image of him. We, don't, we didn't know then what we know now about pornography. It was just a guy thing to do. But my dad says, here, I've got a stash. Check this out. And he shows me stack, I mean, like magazines from back like the 1970s. And let me tell you, he, he showed them to me. He went off and worked. And I spent hours and hours reading all the articles in those magazines No, I, I was looking at the pictures. 
And I remember being like, wow, what is this? Why, why I'm feeling the excitement of, how am I feeling this way right now? It feels awesome. It feels bad. I know I'm not supposed to be doing this at the same time. So when I went home to my mom, I remember just carrying a burden of shame. I remember being overwhelmed by that, like, oh, I have a secret now. I, I can't talk to her about it. I walked away from that experience with a sexual injury to my brain, to the way that I thought, and I began to be rewired. So today what I'm going to do is there's plenty of you that have experienced things like that. And so I'm going to ask you two shame-filled questions that I understand you're not going to be comfortable with, you're not going to want to answer. Don't, I'm not going to have you come up here and share with anybody, so don't be afraid. It's not like one of those kind of days. But I'm going to ask you these questions, and, and you're going to be uncomfortable. Some of these things that are going to be brought up are things that you've probably buried for a long time in your heart, in your life. But let me tell you something and assure you that God wants to take what you have pushed down and hidden in the dark for so long and bring it into his light. Because when you bring it into the light, that's when healing can take place. That's when those things that you've been hiding, that shame that you have been carrying for so many years can finally be lifted off of you. In order to change our behaviors, we need to change our minds, which is what this whole series is about. In order to change our minds, we need to expose those moments, those seeds of sexual shame that we bury or that we have in our lives. So the first question is, what seed of sexual shame has Satan planted in your life? What seed of sexual shame has Satan planted in your life? Some of you, when you were younger, you were touched inappropriately. And maybe, maybe you went after it happened, you were afraid. I don't want this to happen again. What if I tell somebody what's going to happen in that relationship there? What happens in the relationship to, you know, the uncle and the parents or whatever the situation may be? You're afraid. You feel dirty. Or maybe, maybe, maybe somebody touched you and you enjoyed it. Maybe you regretted it. Most assuredly, confusion has set in your heart. and you, Maybe you felt like, I did something wrong, so I deserved that. Others of you, maybe, maybe you just experimented. You experimented with someone, and so you're ashamed of, of what you did there. Others of you, you, you're like me. You saw something. You saw something sexually, some sexual sinful movie or image, or maybe you, you walked in on somebody or saw somebody doing something you shouldn't have seen, and what it did was it changed your thought process. Your innocence was lost. Others of you, maybe you grew up having homosexual thoughts and you thought, oh my gosh, you know, this is, this is made fun of, this is, this is looked down on, I, I don't feel normal, everybody's making fun of me, and, and maybe, maybe you experimented with it, and, and maybe you feel the shame, and so you've hidden that all of your life. Others of you, maybe, maybe you're, you're just like a lot of people, you've just been fooling around. You're out there sleeping with anybody and everybody that you want to because you're like, man, this makes me feel good. My body, I like how I feel. I want to do this, and so you've mistaken it for, for, uh, uh, for, for receiving love, but you later learn that it isn't. So what seed of sexual shame has Satan planted in your life? Now back to the story with Adam and Eve. Uh, the serpent got, approaches Adam and Eve, and he tells them, hey, if you want, you can be just like God. You can be just like God if you eat this fruit. And they're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. He said not to. And, this, and this, the, the serpent says to him, did he really say that? And so he continues to tear down their walls. And guess what? Adam and Eve ate the fruit of that one tree in the garden that God said, don't eat of. And sin entered into our lives. And look what happens in Genesis 3, 7. 
Adam and Eve who were naked and unashamed. It says that then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now they're not naked with no shame. They are naked and vulnerable. They feel like they, they need a covering because they're, they're, they're like something's not right. We need to cover ourselves up. I, I can't be comfortable with you and I can't be comfortable with God because of what's happened to me, because of the shame that I'm, I'm holding on to. And when we live with shame, we feel the need to cover it up. We feel the need to cover up that pain that we've caused ourselves or somebody else has done to us. How many of you guys have ever had this dream where you wake up, uh, you're, so you're, you're in your dream, but you wake up and you're at school and you're completely naked and everybody's looking at you, pointing at you, and what do you try to do in that dream is you try to cover up immediately, right? Anybody ever have that dream? I'm the only weird one in this place. Wow. My dream is always I wake up, I'm actually in bed, but I'm naked in bed and I'm thankful that I have a blanket because I'm covered up. We feel the need to cover up when we're vulnerable. And so Adam and Eve, they covered themselves with fig leaves. And of course you go, that was smart, Adam and Eve. That was great. You covered yourselves up. You found something inexpensive. Very Jewish of you. Good job. You sewed some fig leaves together and you put them on. Low cost, low budget, readily available. Make lots of clothes. But the problem was that the leaves that they chose to use were actually damaging because fig leaves have little thorns and briars on them. And so they chose to cover up their bodies in the most sensitive of areas with something that further damaged them. It further caused them pain. Genesis 3, 9 through 10 says, But the Lord called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. They covered what caused their pain. They covered their shame, excuse me, with, with something that caused more pain. And then God says, where are you guys at? Like, hey, we're, we're hiding. And notice what Adam says. He didn't say that we hid because I sinned. That's not what he said. He said, I was afraid because I was naked. He hid because of his shame. Not his disobedience. He hid because of his nakedness. And he hid behind something that was causing more destruction. So what does shame do? Shame leads us to wrong thinking. Wrong thinking leads to wrong actions. And wrong actions leads to destruction in our lives. Period. That's what it does. And this cycle is why so many of us in our lives are not experiencing the intimacy in our relationships that we need to experience. We push people away and we keep them at arm's length because well, I, don't, I don't want them to know me. We keep ourselves guarded and covered. For me, having this secret life of pornography, growing up in a Christian home where I knew it was wrong, I knew where the magazines were, but then the internet came. And even though it was dial-up and it took 20 minutes for a picture to load, I was still looking for it. I was still seeking pornography, but I was still going to church. I was still shouting for Jesus. I was still serving in my church. I kept up a facade because I knew I had this secret hidden life and this injury that I was now dealing with, this shame. That I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't want to tell anybody because I didn't want anybody to think I wasn't spiritual. I didn't want them to think that I wasn't saved. I didn't want them to think that I didn't know Jesus and that I needed to be cast away. And so I held on to it. 
And what it caused in me was a series of lies. Because that's what covering up is, right? It's a series of lies. And I covered my shame. I covered what was going on. I covered my double life. I put on a front and pretended to be something that I wasn't. I was broken. I was hurting inside. And that series of lies led me to a place where I started to think, well, if I'm lying, everyone else is lying. Because isn't that what we do? We project onto someone else how we feel. Oh, come on. So I lacked intimacy with people because I felt like they were just lying to me. I didn't want to reveal who I really was as a person because, man, if they, if they got to know me, they'd, they wouldn't like me. So I held on to my shame instead of exposing it. And as a Christ follower, those lies continued to build in my life because I began to believe the lies that, well, if nobody else will want me, then, then God couldn't want me. God couldn't use me. God couldn't have me, give me a purpose in his kingdom. Look at what I do in my spare time. Look at how I'm broken. Look at the shame that I carry. How could he... How could he ever redeem this? I began to believe more lies about myself. And all of it got traced back to that moment that a sexual seed of shame was planted. Or that a seed of sexual shame was planted. All of it traced back to that. Second question I'm going to ask you is, what dangerous and painful covering are you hiding behind? See, there's a difference between sometimes we feel guilt because of what we've done and shame. See, guilt says that what I did was bad and I'm sorry for it. But shame, shame is a very different thing. Shame says I am bad because of what I did. There's a difference. What I did was bad and I am bad because of what I did, what was done to me. That I am bad. Shame is destructive in our lives. We begin to believe that we are bad, we are dirty, we are unlovable. If people knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. I need to cover up. I can't open up. So what do you use to cover? A lot of people use image. They keep a front up and they keep an image of, of how their life is going. They want everybody to think it's all right. This is the Facebook news feed. Everything's good. Everything's hunky-dory in my life. When everything's falling apart behind the scenes. Or maybe, maybe you were like me. Maybe you hide behind lies. Others of you, you, you relationally detach yourself. You keep people at an arm's distance because you don't want them to get to know the real you. You don't want them to invade that space and know that you're struggling, to know that you carry that shame. Others of you would say that you know, people, aren't, uh, people aren't, aren't good enough. Nobody's good enough. You, you, you project onto other people how you feel about yourself. And others of you, you just straight sabotage your relationships. You start getting close to somebody and you just sabotage it because you don't want them to get to know you. We're... we're, we're we're approaching that line of intimacy, sabotage. I'm going to go cheat on you. I'm going to lie to you. I'm going to step out and, and <coughs> leave for days or whatever, however, whatever it is you do to sabotage that relationship. They're getting too close. Others of you, you just, you jump into promiscuous lifestyles. If guys, guys think this is cool. Hey man, I've been with lots of females. This is awesome. Look at how many notches I got on my bedpost. And girls, you think that, that living a promiscuous lifestyle, you are Gaining or receiving and experiencing love when really all it is is a sinful substitute for what God intended for your life. It all starts in our thinking. It all starts in the way that we think about sex. For the people that, that are upset, 
because I think some of you are, are a little mad that we're talking about this here. I, I, I'm just, I really struggle with that because I feel like the ones that are upset that we're talking about sex are the same ones who don't monitor what's the, what they watch at home. They don't monitor what they look at. They're the first ones in line to see Fifty Shades of Grey and the new Deadpool movie. By the way, the most sexually charged movies of 2015 and 2016. That should be an indication to you and some of the most successful movies of the year. You see, well, he's really coming down hard on me today. I love you. Am I condemning you if you saw those movies? Absolutely not. It's just an indication of our culture of where we're going, we are allowing the enemy to teach us what sex is all about. You can't go to the grocery store and check out in, in the line without seeing a cosmopolitan that says seven ways to tease your boyfriend in the bedroom. What did you just learn? That it's okay to tease your boyfriend. We just stop right there in the bedroom. We're learning and we're allowing the devil to teach us. We have to change our minds. We have to change how we believe and what we think about sex because proper thinking will lead to proper actions. How do we do that? Well, we're going to do something simple called drop the fig leaf. It's time to drop the fig leaf. That thing that you have been using to cover up that shame, it's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. Whatever you're hiding behind, you need to let it go. A few years ago, about two years at this point, I dropped the fig leaf with my wife. Some of you are like, right on, Stallone, that's good. But I mean, I mean that covering that I had in my life. See, my wife and I have been married this June 11 years. And the pornography was an issue in my life long before I ever met her. She didn't know. She didn't know. Now, I've been sober from that for about four years now, which means that a year and a half after I was clean, I dropped the fig leaf with my wife. And when I did, she, she cried and said, was it about me? Was it something that I did wrong? What's wrong with me? I said, babe, this has nothing to do with you. This was a seed that was planted long ago. And I dropped my fig leaf. And she cried and we cried and God began to heal and restore our marriage that night. And she would tell you, she said it recently in a counseling session that it just struck me, she said, this is what was missing. When he finally told me that he was struggling with pornography, I didn't know what the issues were. I didn't understand why he was up and down all the time and so frustrated and angry and then the issues in the bed. She said, I didn't understand all that stuff. She said, but this is what was missing. When he dropped the fig leaf, she began to understand and God restored our, our, our marriage because of that. In fact, they already talked about it during the announcements, but Saturday, May 7th, we're gonna do a session, my wife and I. I, I didn't feel like it was, it was uh, material that we would do on Sunday morning because it's practical applications on how to deal with pornography and the addiction of it and how your spouse can help you. So we're gonna share our story. Mark your calendars, come. We're gonna open it up to the public and maybe see some people experience some sobriety from the stuff that I struggle with because what's happening? When we drop the fig leaf, God will take that mess that maybe you made or somebody put on you and he'll turn it into your message. He'll give you the opportunity to not only experience healing but help others. Do you realize there are only a few things that grow in the dark? Mold, fungus, and shame. 
shame grows in the dark. We need to bring it into the light. You need to drop the fig leaf so that God can begin healing in your life. So what does that mean for you? Well, I have four simple thoughts that I hope will get you, that you will begin to prayerfully think through, okay? And prayerfully think through these things. The first thing you can do is to confess your secret shame. Some of you need to find someone that you trust in your life and confess your secret shame. Maybe you are a victim of a sexual assault, or maybe you are the one that was the aggressor and you need to confess that shame to someone. It's time to confess it, to bring it into the light. The second thing that I would tell you to begin prayerfully doing is get biblical counseling. There's nothing greater than walking with a mature believer and learning what the Bible says about sexuality. Nothing greater than that. Because what's going to happen is as you walk through and experience that, you're going to say, well, this is the way I'm living. This is what the Word of God says, and I need to, I need to shift and get in line with that. We can change our thinking. We can allow God's truth to renew our minds. And we can begin to obey the Scriptures and follow Jesus more fully. And when we do, we experience his blessing. That's a whole other message for another time. Third thing you can do is admit to a secret sin. Write it down. Some of you need to have a conversation with somebody. Maybe it's your spouse. I'm not sure who it might be, but you need to confess a secret sin. Many of you that are here today, and, and even before you got here today, you feel conviction over that dark sin in your life, that secret sin that you've been holding on to. You hope nobody finds out about it, right? It's like your dirty little secret, but it's time to let the cat out of the bag. It's time to confess the injury to your mind and expose that seed of sexual shame. And let me just say this. Can I, can I just, can I be a pastor for a second and say, you say, what have you been doing this whole time? <laughs> right. If somebody comes to you and confesses to you, don't shame them. How dare you? Don't shame them. Love them through it and understand that they are a person who is broken just like you. They're just broken different. They just sin different than you. Sin is sin. And they're coming to you because they need help. James 5, 16 says, confess your faults one to another. You can look around the room and go, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another, one another. Confess your faults one to another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. That's our, our responsibility. So if somebody comes to you and confesses, be, be graceful. If it's your spouse, be graceful and pray for them. Last thing I would tell you to do is to take your hurt to Jesus. Gosh, take it to Jesus. Take it to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's the way that we ought to be living, the way that he teaches us. He's the truth, that truth that exposes those lies that the enemy has taught you about your sexuality. And he is the life. Jesus said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. Doesn't that sound amazing? Life to the fullest here on this earth and for eternity. That's what Jesus came for. Jesus makes broken things new. He's the redeemer. What's a redeemer? Somebody who takes the mess and turns it into the message. He's that guy. It doesn't matter how far gone you've been. You can't walk very far from him. He's right there. His love is waiting for you. He'll redeem 
whatever mess you've created in your life or what somebody has put on you. He can redeem it. He's the forgiver. He'll forgive you of whatever you've done. And he's our savior. He'll rescue you from the pain of that situation. It's Satan that wants to destroy you. He wants to have you continue to live under the shame of what has happened to you or what you've done. But if you want to get out of that, you need to understand it starts with the lies he tells you. And Jesus is the truth. We need to expose those lies with the truth. My final encouragement to you today, because our sexuality is Satan's easiest doorway to shame in our lives, I would say that that most of you that are holding on to shame, I don't think your story is that you were looking for it. That you were looking for whatever that experience was, whatever that seed of, of sexual shame was, you weren't looking for it. You weren't asking for it, it just happened. And you've continued to carry that shame all your life for a good part of it. And as a result of that shame, your life has been forever altered. How you interact with others has changed. The way you view yourself has changed. The relationships you develop has changed. The intimacy that you experience has changed. You've been impacted by it. But here's what God says, though. In Job eleven thirteen through 16, he says, Yet if you devote your heart to God and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then you will lift up your face without shame. You will stand firm and without fear. You will surely forget your trouble, recalling it only as water has gone by. Today, you can be free from that shame. Let's pray. (coughs) (coughs) If you're a Christ follower and you're here today, (coughs) my encouragement is for you to be real right now in this moment. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I know that there have been seeds of sexual shame that have been planted in your heart and your life. (coughs) And I know that you've been covering it up. I don't know what you've been covering it up with. I'm not sure what that looks like in your life. But I know that as you have covered up that shame and kept it in the dark, that it has continued to grow. And shame is killing your relationships. It's killing the very life in your heart. you need to bring it into the light today. You need to drop the fig leaf. I don't know what it means for you to drop the fig leaf. Maybe it's a conversation with someone. You need to ask them to forgive you, or maybe you need to forgive them, or maybe you just need to begin with, God, I know I need to forgive them. I'm not there, but teach me to be somebody who forgives. Maybe you need to seek biblical counseling. Others of you, you need to tell your spouse something. Others of you you just simply need to have your friends in Christ praying for you. My my request is whatever God shows you to do, to commit to doing it and do it. If that's you and you're here today and you'd say, Aaron, that's me, I, I need to drop that fig leaf. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, please. But if that's you, if you would you be bold enough to commit and say, that's me, I need to drop the fig leaf. Would you just shoot your hand up, do it now. Hands up all over the room, that's awesome, that's awesome. Your healing begins today. 
your healing begins today. Father, I pray that you would reveal our shame. I ask God that you would show us how to drop the fig leaves in our lives. I pray that you would forgive us and help us to forgive others. Teach us to forgive. Lord, guide those here that need biblical counseling to the right counselor, Lord. Provide us with safe places to confess. Let your grace be upon those who are hearing the confessions. And may they reciprocate and give it to those who are confessing. Father, I pray that you'd break the power of shame in our lives. That you would begin the process of healing us today. We're going to continue to pray with every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, there's others of you here that God is drawing you toward himself today. You feel his love calling out to you. And he's ready for you. All you have to do is turn from your ways and decide to do things his way. We call that repentance. The Bible tells us it's the goodness of God. That's how good he is, that he would lead us to a place where we would turn from our ways to his. He's saying, hey, you can, you can live life different from this moment on. There's hope for you. You don't have to spend tomorrow like you've spent your last few days. That option's not available outside of a relationship with him, though. So you'd say, Aaron, I'm not, I'm not a Christ follower. I, I, I want to do that. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. If that's you and you're here today, I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. It's a conversation we have with God. That's how you pray. You just talk to him. And I'm going to pray that prayer. And if you want to be counted in on that prayer and say, Aaron, count me in. I want to give my heart and life to Jesus today. I want to begin a relationship with him. If that's you, would you just shoot your hand up now? Tell me. Hey, that's me, Aaron. Come on. Let's see whose hands. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Good job. You can put your hands down. Thank you. I'm going to pray the prayer, and you can pray it out loud, or you can just pray it in your heart, but you need to mean it. If you're watching by Periscope right now, you can pray this prayer with us too. If you're listening by podcast, I don't care if you're running on a treadmill, take a break for a second, get a sip of water and pray with us. Say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you came to this earth and lived a perfect sinless life. That you died for me, Jesus, because you're the only one who could pay the price of my sins. And that you rose from the dead three days later. Jesus, be Lord of my life. That means you're going to show me how to live and I'm going to spend every day doing that. Give me your Holy Spirit and strength for the journey. I need you, Jesus. Amen.